The Swimming Lesson by Mary Oliver Feeling the icy kick, the endless waves reaching around my life, I moved my arms and coughed, and in the end saw land. Somebody, I suppose, remembering the medieval maxim, had tossed me in, had wanted me to learn to swim, not knowing that none of us, whoever came back from that long, lonely fall and frenzied rising, ever learned anything at all about swimming, but only had to put off, one by one, dreams and pity, love and grace, how to survive in any place. So this episode begins, early language warning here, with me standing at the top of Rucker's Hill on the phone to a friend of mine, semi-yelling into my phone, of course I feel this way, I'm a fucking poet. What a statement. I'm pretty sure I borrowed the phrase I'm a fucking poet from Bill Hicks, which makes it even worse, it wasn't even an original thing to be saying. (laughs) But that's what I was doing last Sunday afternoon, I was not feeling good, and I've had a week of not feeling good. And it's led me to think about whether there is something here to talk about in relation to poetry. I talked a couple of episodes ago, episode 119, about having a border collie brain, as I put it, being someone who's driven more by a sense of anxious energy than anything else but as anyone who's seen the Lars von Trier film Melancholia which I really don't like will know the companion to the border collie brain is the black dog depression and sometimes like this last week I guess I just have to spend time looking after the black dog as well but I really want to interrogate what I said to my friend on the phone there because I don't really believe that sensitivity, if we want to use that word, or a sensibility that might lead me to be someone who wants to write poems necessarily has to equal going into depressive states. I'm surprised at myself for saying that because I don't believe that creativity rests on some kind of madness or mental illness. I know for a fact that when I feel depressed, I can't make anything. And I also know that my anxious tendencies don't necessarily fuel useful work or work that I want to keep either. So I wonder about that. It's worth mentioning too that at this particular moment, halfway through 2020, I acknowledge that it would be weird to be feeling really good, kind of about anything. So I'm not worried about my mental state and I definitely wouldn't want you to be. I'm just interested in interrogating this link here that I unthinkingly made. I made it in such a comfortable way. I was so sure in saying that I felt like she'll understand this because this is an assumption that everybody has. People who write poems are probably mentally ill in some way. So a couple of nights after I had that conversation, if we can call it a conversation, after I said that to my friend, I was unable to sleep. I managed to get myself out of bed, which is I think a really big achievement rather than just lying there feeling awful and I thought I might look into this topic of 
poetry plus depression. And I thought, I had a suspicion that this would happen. I typed into my Chrome search bar the phrase, are all poets? And sure enough, the next word that popped up in the autocomplete section was depressed. The first suggestion for are all poets is depressed. The second suggestion is are all poets mentally ill? So this is a pretty damning state of affairs. It seems based on that incredibly flimsy form of research that there is still out there somewhere a persistent idea that all poets are depressed, or at least that it wouldn't surprise us to find out that somebody who writes poetry has depression or gets depressed sometimes. So I started to go down this particular Google rabbit hole and the first stop was that now I think pretty much forgotten website Cora where people give kind of long form answers to relatively lengthy questions and everyone's kind of an expert but not. I mean I suppose it had its use. And the thread that I came upon was, do poets get depression or do depressed people write poetry? Now, three answers here. And one of them mentions something called the Sylvia Plath effect. And that really piqued my interest. Because obviously, as soon as you talk about poetry and depression, Plath is there. You can feel her presence there. She, she wants to say something and... I had to know what this Sylvia Plath effect was. So I hunted down the study that this person mentioned, which was published in the Journal of Creative Behavior in 2011. And it's a study by a guy called James Kaufman. And he writes that although many studies have demonstrated that creative writers are prone to suffer from mental illness, sidebar, he's listed three studies from 87, 89, and 95. So, I mean, it's, it's three. This relationship has not been truly examined in depth. Is this finding true of all writers? In study one, 1,629 writers were analyzed for signs of mental illness. Female poets were found to be significantly more likely to suffer from mental illness than female fiction writers or male writers of any type. So already alarm bells are going off here. Study two extended the analysis to 520 eminent women, poets, fiction writers, non-fiction writers, visual artists, politicians, and actresses, and again found the poets to be significantly more likely to experience mental illness. This early finding has been dubbed the Sylvia Plath effect. So even though this study was over 10 years ago, it did get picked up by the media and it was it was cited around the place people talked about it and gave it credence my first question is 1629 writers were analyzed for signs of mental illness what does that mean what does that action look like does that mean that james kaufman read their work and tried to figure out whether they were mentally ill or not and the conclusion that female poets were found to be significantly more likely to suffer from mental illness than female fiction writers or male writers of any type, I'm fascinated to know how that conclusion was reached. It feels like a jump, to put it mildly. But 
you know, like I said, study was picked up. It was, it got plenty of airtime. It was, yeah, it fits pretty neatly into an existing way of looking at the world for people, I think. And I found a much more useful exploration of these ideas on Poetry Foundation's website. There's a really in-depth, quite long article by a poet called Joshua Mehigan, I think. That's how you pronounce his name. Um, It's called I Thought You Were a Poet. And he goes through basically from the Romantics or prior to the Romantics all the way through to the present day, the beats, you know, everybody in between, Black Mountain poets and his own self as a poet existing in the world and talks about this link between not just depression but madness and poetry. Um, The bit I want to highlight from the article is this early on he writes, despondency and madness were the expectation before Wordsworth and reached pandemic proportions in the 20th century. Readers are disappointed by poets who aren't at least a little mad, which is to say visionary, melancholic, tormented, debauched, or somehow awry. I wonder about this. I wonder if this is an experience that you've had, if you are somebody who is comfortable introducing yourself to someone you've just met and saying that you're a poet. Is the response you get one of like pity or like oh you must be a bit weird I don't feel that I get that response really I more get a defensiveness a sort of oh I don't understand poetry I wouldn't know anything about that but I do find that amongst my friends when I will tend to say things that would fit with a view of the world that's a bit more melancholy I think, you know, they'll say, like, with a bit of a chuckle, oh, Alice, you're such a poet kind of thing. I guess it's a compliment. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, this article, I thought you were a poet, is, if you really want to dig into this, I would highly recommend. And, yeah, it's hard to get away from the fact that there are so many examples of really well-known poets who just were not happy people in their personal lives. Obviously, Sylvia Plath. You've also got Anne Sexton in there. My favorite poet, Jane Kenyon, not a happy camper. Emily Dickinson. Even the poet that I read out at the start, Mary Oliver, who people, I think, go to for comfort a lot of the time. I think, yeah, the more you look at Mary Oliver, the more you realize that she's writing to comfort herself. She's not feeling good in the first place. Even in Australia, well, also in Australia, there are examples of poets that we could point to that, that we know didn't have the happiest life and in some ways their, their legacy is kind of tied to that. And I guess kind of a, an elephant in the room that we have to acknowledge here, which is sort of a gross fact, is that in some cases... The, the legacy of the poet gets kind of, I don't know, like amplified, solidified when we know that they were unhappy. Maybe it's like a legitimizing thing. I don't know. I'm not coming to any very uh, hard conclusions here. <laughs> I hope that's okay. 
But the other thing that I thought when I was looking at my bookshelf and looking at the Australian poets sitting there is that the unifying theme really isn't sadness or even our inner worlds. It's our outer worlds. I feel like we're much more likely as a loose collection of people who write on land known as Australia, we're much more likely to write about what we can see and touch and how we're relating to that. And I also think that we spend quite a bit of time and energy trying to be funny and almost entertaining. I feel that many of the poets that I know and love are actually working towards something a little bit more like comedy than, you know, a map of what it feels like to be depressed. I had to ask myself too, the more I kind of dug into this question, does this myth actually persist? Because I do feel like there is a counter narrative starting to build, particularly over the last four or five years amongst really well-known creative people who are out there saying being mentally ill is bad for creativity. We need to separate how we feel mentally and, and how we're doing from our creative selves. They don't support one another. There doesn't have to be a link between the two. And yeah, as I mentioned, I know, I know for myself, when I'm depressed, I can't write. And when I'm overly anxious, I can't focus enough to get anything worthwhile onto the page either. So I would agree with that. But I, I suspect, in fact, I can think of at least one example of a poet who really did use sort of manic states to get stuff done. I don't think that would be super surprising to anyone to hear. So it's out there. It's out there. My favorite thing that I found when I was doing my late night research for this episode was a post on a website called bookriot.com. And it's one of those listicle things, kind of like a BuzzFeed type article. And it's called 30 Moving Depression Poems. I thought that title in itself was quite hilarious. And we have on this page, we have a, quite a few um, Instagram poets and some of the poets who do slam on websites like Button Poetry and things like that. And in amongst them, there are poets, including ones I've mentioned, Emily Dickinson, Anne Sexton, Sylvia Plath, Jane Kenyon, Mary Oliver, all women, all female poets. And maybe it is easy to draw that conclusion that they're more prone to depression. Uh, and John Berryman is in there. John Berryman, one of the few males on this list of 30 depression poems. The Berryman poem that's been included here is called He Resigns. And it goes like this. Age and the deaths and the ghosts, her having gone away in spirit from me. Hosts of regrets come and find me empty. I don't feel this will change. I don't want anything or person familiar or strange. I don't think I will sing anymore just now or ever. I must start to sit with a blind brow above an empty heart. I guess the last thing I wanted to say on this is that for me, the link between a poet's mental health and their work is less interesting than what a poem can do for us when we are feeling not so great. I know there's definitely been times, many times, when, you know, a line of poetry 
is kind of a mantra to get me through a day or a week. I don't think we have to buy into the myth that poets, all poets are depressed to believe that poetry has a capacity to lift us out of a particular state or to reframe it or to help us to feel like it's normal and included in the family of human experience and to complicate the narratives that we get sold about how we should feel, how everyone else feels, what's appropriate to feel given one's particular circumstances. I think poetry resists all that and I think that's and for me that's one of the things that it does that is most important. I want to finish with this quote from Jane Kenyon, who else? Kenyon's a great poet, but she's also great in writing about poetry and making work and just about the the life of being somebody who writes poetry and I love this quote so much. She says, "We have the consolation of beauty." of one soul saying to another, I've been there too.